look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli flying solo. Dave's away, and uh, we've got a short session today because we've got the Calgary Stampeders playing against the BC Lions, so we're hoping for a good turnout for the Stamp fans and the game for sure. Um, we've had a lot of conversations in the past about what's going on in the U.S., the U.S. economy, the G20 sessions wrapping up and so forth, and so we wanted to kind of get an intake on on. One of the, the senior portfolio managers and vice president uh, at Dynamic Funds, uh, David Fingal, will be joining us. And, he, and I really want to have a conversation with him about what's happened in the markets. We're also going to talk about there are many, many Canadians who are supporting their aging parents. And uh, they will have to discuss, you know, they have to have that discussion with themselves about will they be able to support their parents and their retirement or will they have to rely on their kids for their retirement? So we're going to have our guest Kelly Keene joining us uh, after the break on, on that. So I wanted to bring in David Fingold. Uh, David, thank you for joining us today on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. So we've we've seen a lot of things happen. Uh, you were here in Calgary a few months back. We had dinner. We chatted about your view of the world. And I really wanted you to explain from your perspective how you look at things from the economy, how you pick stocks and so forth, and what's on the horizon for you. So I want to kind of walk through that so our listeners can get a better understanding of what goes in the mind of David Fingal, one of the best uh, portfolio managers in the U.S. side uh, in the country, bar none. And so... Uh, uh, um, David, just kind of give us an idea from what your perspective, what's the outlook uh, for the economy over the next six to 12 months? Well, I think that when we look at the economy, the most important thing to keep in mind is that uh, as of about June 30th of last year, the, the U.S. economy was growing at about 4%. And uh, we had an interim election in the U.S. The Democrats got a majority in uh the House of Representatives. And what that meant was that there could not be another round of deregulation or another round of tax reform uh, until after the next election. So those are not uh, bearish indications in and of themselves. But when you're already growing at 4% and you did not get that additional positive catalyst, it kind of makes sense that you would slow sequentially. Uh, it's just the way of the world. If you're growing very strongly, you know, you have to uh, grow that much more stronger in the following period in order to sustain that rate of growth. And obviously we did not. And the economies decelerated during the first quarter. I think that the uh, preliminary growth number came in uh, at about uh, 3%, which is still pretty healthy. Uh, as we move through the second quarter of this year, we're still comparing on a year-over-year basis with the very strong second quarter last year. Uh, so it's quite possible that as the end of this year uh, unfolds that the growth rate decelerates to, say, 2%. Now, I, I mean, I personally think that's fantastic. We're in an environment with very little inflation. Most of that 2% growth, uh, you know, if we, in fact, touch a level that low, you know, is against a uh, relatively low level of inflation, so it's real growth. Uh, and I think that as we head into next year, there's some scope for acceleration in the economy, not the least of the reasons being that it doesn't have to compare against a 4% number. And, I mean, I know that all sounds incredibly simplistic, but, I mean, ultimately, those kinds of numbers uh, evolve that way. 
Um, and, and I think that they're, you know, that the people who are pessimistic are really missing the big picture. So, you know, we've heard a lot of concerns since the fourth quarter of last year about recession. Uh, and uh, since uh, 1954, there hasn't been a recession uh, without the gasoline price doubling in the year prior. Now, you know, I checked as of uh, yesterday's close what NYMEX gasoline futures had done, and they're actually down year over year. So getting a recession with that kind of backdrop is, is relatively without precedent. You know, we also check credit markets, and investment-grade credit spreads are quite narrow. And, and I think that for laymen, the easiest way to understand that is that businesses that need to borrow in order to operate continue to have access to credit. Uh, and those are the kinds of circumstances under which we would expect the economy to continue to grow. David, there's a, a big debate out there in regards from passive income, uh, passive investing to active management. A lot of people have said that the American market is one of the most, if not the most, efficient market uh, in the world. So it's very difficult to pick a portfolio of stocks versus just buying the index. Uh, what's your perspective of that? And then tell us about your stock selection process and what metrics you look at to, uh, to maximize returns. I think that the, the whole active versus passive debate is not as simple as most people would say. Uh, and I think the reason why is because uh, it is possible for active managers to outperform their benchmarks. Uh, I certainly feel we have an encouraging record. Uh, but I am cognizant that in order to do that, it's necessary to own a portfolio that is quite different uh, than, for instance, the S&P 500. Uh, you know, our, our founder and our uh, past chairman, Ned Goodman, always used to say, don't be the index, beat the index. And I think that what we see in many of the uh, competitors that have had difficulty over time doing it is they don't differentiate their portfolios enough from the index in order to beat it. Uh, you know, so you know our active share, which is a uh, which is a measure of the degree to which we've deviated uh, from the S and P 500, is pretty substantial. Uh, it's it's certainly one of the highest ones out there. Uh, so we are in a position where we have an opportunity to outperform. Uh, Miles Ziblock, uh, our chief strategist, has actually been able to calculate that even with a very reasonable level of fees that an active share uh, above 60 is necessary uh, for outperformance. And we're operating with active shares uh, considerably higher than that. Now, you know, I have checked databases like the Globe Fund database and and. Uh, numbers in there that I've seen would suggest that 75% of the mandates actually did not have active shares high enough in order to provide the opportunity of outperformance. So the answer is really quite simple. If you're hiring an active manager, hire someone who's actually active. Look for a concentrated portfolio. Look for sectors that are zero-weighted. Uh, you know, look for high active share. Uh, and then you have an opportunity for active management to perform. If uh, the mandate, like, uh, as I suggested, up to three-quarters of them is actually hugging its benchmark, you're, you're much better off indexing because you'll get the same result with lower fees. Now, I'm a strong believer in active management. No way with my own money would I invest it passively, uh, you know, and weed our own cooking. Uh, you know, the only manager I use is me, and my only equity investments are, are my funds. But I think that uh, you know, for many managers, the the because they're hugging the index, the client would be better off owning an index fund or getting true active management. You know, and that got a little bit into our process. 
at, at, at a very high level, what we want to do is to build a concentrated portfolio, usually 25 companies or less, of uh, businesses that are well-financed, growing, and well-managed, uh, and uh, that, you know, that express our views about the world uh, at the time, at, you know, at the current time. Uh, you know, Charlie Munger said a long time ago that if you buy a company uh, that has a 20% return on invested capital and that does not fall and you have any kind of patience, you're going to make a profit. So by buying well-financed, well-managed companies that have some prospect of growth, you know, if we have any kind of patience, I think, uh, you know, we're going to be able to meet our investing goals. That's fantastic. So is there anything that you, you see on the horizon that could p- potentially cause a concern? We've got about less than a minute left. Uh, the unfortunate thing about it is that uh, it's very difficult to predict the future. There's an old expression in boxing, which is you never see the punch that gets you. That's why I think that our spirit of conservatism, uh, focusing on companies with strong balance sheets, uh, better profitability than their peers, uh, more consistent profitability than their peers, positions our, ourselves well for unforeseen circumstances. Uh, because I think that anybody who could have predicted uh, the negative events we've seen over the last few decades, like two Gulf Wars, a Lehman Brothers, I don't think anybody has the crystal ball. But I think that if they're conservative and they're optimistic, in the worst case scenario, you pick yourself up, brush yourself off, up and, and move on. What great advice to give everybody who's investing in the market. Uh, David, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. That's David Fingal, Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager, Dynamic Funds. Uh, we, we have worked with David and his team in our portfolios as well, so we're very glad to have him on the show. And we're going to talk about our process. Uh, David mentioned in regards to how to get yourself, brush yourself off, and move on. How do you profit and protect? And more importantly, with all this volatility going on and all the concerns, how do you bulletproof your retirement? We'll talk about that on Tuesday, July 23rd. 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Now, join us after the break. We're going to hear about how common it is for people to support their parents through retirement. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And uh, many Canadians out there... As the population ages, have to be concerned about a couple things. One is they might be providing support to their elderly parents, and this could take a major impact on your finances. So, what happens to your retirement? What's going on out there? You know, we've got uh, Kelly Keane joining us, author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for FP Canada, which is Financial Planning Canada. Kelly, welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Faisal. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's kind of nail this right out because we want to know, are Canadians really worried about looking at their parents for helping to fund their parents' retirement? Yeah, that's a loaded question. So uh, <laughs> FP Canada and Chartwell Retirement Residences, we did a survey recently uh, asking exactly that question. Last month, we actually looked at um, the other half of the sandwich that a lot of baby boomers are dealing with, which is their adult kids. Um, and it was, you know, yes, there was a, a lot that are concerned, Faisal, but I think that the survey also revealed that people aren't quite aware of the impact that their parents, um, you know, aging may have on them. So there's kind of two parts to that. Uh, it, this also was a follow-up that FP Canada did last month for Seniors Month. We did a Seniors and Money report, 
And in that one, and I'm pretty sure we talked about it on your show, we looked at the amount of debt that seniors are carrying. And, and it was shocking how many uh, over the age of 60 have mortgages, lines of credit, car loans. So, um, you know, Alberta's struggling. A lot of people are struggling, the baby boomers and maybe the parents. Uh, so it's complex. There's a lot of moving parts. It is affecting the baby boomers with their parents and their kids. It's just to what to what um, degree. I think one of the hardest parts for people who are going through this is that they're not they're not aware of all the tools or help that's out there. So if you are looking after your parents, what tools or funding is available out there to help? Well, and that's the thing. Uh, there's so much money out there in the form of government grants, tax credits, things of that sort that uh, in our survey revealed two-thirds were not aware of. So that's the big thing. Now, I'm not a tax expert. Faisal, you're even more of an expert than I am on these issues, but it underscores the importance of having a financial plan, sitting down with someone like a certified financial planner. Uh, It was shocking in our, our survey as well that only one in six actually have a financial plan who said that both their children and their parents were causing a financial strain. So it can be very confusing if you're caring for your parents in some way, shape, or form, or they're in a retirement residence. Uh, does that tax credit apply to you if your parents want to stay in their home uh, it, and you do some renovations to help them out or things of that sort, but they're low income, are you actually going to get the tax credit or not? You can see where it gets very complex very quickly and especially if you're in that stressful situation of helping out your parents, gosh, then you really need that pro on your side to help you see what blind spots are there and what money you're leaving on the table. Kelly, I see this in my practice, and I'm wondering if you see when you travel across the country, do do Canadians feel guilty if they don't help their parents out? And I'm speaking more of the financial side, more than the emotional and giving of their time um, from a financial perspective. Do you Do you see that happening as well? Yeah, absolutely. They feel guilty. And I don't know about you, Faisal, but I find that people just aren't having the conversation at all. And that is fueling the guilt and the stress as well. It's hard to sit down and have a money talk with your parents. It's really tough. And likely uh, the age group that we're talking about, the parents, they are not accustomed to spending money on themselves. They are not accustomed to spending money at all. So for them to now maybe have to determine going into a retirement residence, the issues of isolation and being at home on their own, um, you know, uh, the pressure of the adult child trying to do their best to visit them. These are all very complex, money or otherwise. And it takes a delicate touch. Uh, Again, I think it takes the help of a professional to help have these conversations to make sure that they're fruitful to make sure that they're not emotionally charged, right? Like the parent probably wants to leave an inheritance. Uh, maybe there's some strain. There's one sibling that wants to do this, another sibling that doesn't. Uh, it's, it's tough. And there's a, there's a generational gap with some of our, our, our boomers and their parents. And what I mean by that is the, the parents of the boomers are in a mindset where they, where they had to keep their money to themselves and not spend as much and maybe not have conversations about money and how to how, how what's going on in their personal lives with their children. I can think of many of our clients whose parents didn't even 
talk to them about that they're going to even receive an inheritance or that there's any kind of money in the family. So they may not know all that information. So when you when you go through that kind of a situation, how do you as as the ch- adult child bring up the conversation with your parent that we need to have this uh, this money talk? Yeah, it's really tough and you really nailed it. Like what our generation doesn't understand is that the older generations actually when they signed employment contracts a lot of times they were legally not even allowed to share those details with their spouse like this is not that many generations ago that's how secretive money was for this generation so to really grasp that it's not just like hey mom and dad let's go through a net worth statement and and see where you sit that it needs to be very delicately handled i mean it might be something as simple as can i help you with your tax return this year or Do you have a professional that you talk to? Can I introduce you to someone? Maybe it's getting a supplementary credit card on their account so you can help to do a few groceries or things of that sort. Maybe it's a conversation about uh, educating your parent who's at home about fraud, about scammers that are trying to uh, part with them and their money. And maybe that's a way to open up the conversation that then lends to uh, a number of different roads that you can go down. But I I mean, I think you just have to have the mindset of of your parent. You have to go in knowing that you don't want to fix this. This is maybe a conversation that needs to have several meetings, several months uh, and, and really ease into it. And so that's a good starting point. Getting in there and having those small conversations to lead to the the bigger the bigger conversation. Beyond that, what do people need to do if they if they're worried or even concerned how that's going to impact their parents or impact their own retirement? Well, I mean, the most important thing is having a financial plan. We're we're going into summer. I would never even dream of uh, navigating a road trip on my own, right? I get my trusty little GPS, regardless if I know where I'm going or not. It's going to tell me when I'm going to arrive. It's going to tell me the best route. Uh, If I make a wrong turn, it's going to recalculate for me and not make me feel stupid. Again, I think that that is your financial plan. That's your financial planner. And when it comes to our health, we would never uh, just have our parents self-diagnose, nor would we do that with ourselves. Yet for whatever reason, Money's still that last taboo, that final taboo, and people I hear it across the country, all over the province, people just trying to figure it out themselves, and it's really tough. There's lots of great websites, though, if you do want to educate yourself. For example, uh, the Government of Canada has so many resources on CPP, OAS, all of these different, you know, the tax credits. Get on Google, spend five or ten minutes a day, uh, you know, maybe take your parent to a retirement residence for a visit have them have tea or lunch and see what it's like, give them some options, um, give them some options for staying at home, but really help them do the research and, and get, get a financial plan, reach out to a pro that's going to help you crunch the numbers. Because also, Faisal, as you know, you know, if you're crunching the numbers on your own and you're looking at, at, at maybe a retirement residence, let's say, and it's so many thousands of dollars a month, how does that change if all of a sudden your parents, develops dementia or Alzheimer's, those projections change rapidly. And you really need the the help to make sure that what, what, you know, online calculators are great, but they sometimes can be dangerous because they don't give you the whole picture. That's great. Great advice, great information. Uh, Kelly, thank you for joining us today and happy early, happy Canada Day. You as well. Thanks, Faisal.
We've been joined by Kelly Keene, author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for FP Canada. These are some of the concerns or roadblocks that may come along through your retirement. And these are some of the issues that need to be addressed. And like Kelly said, you just can't do it online with a financial calculator that just crunches some numbers for your situation. We have to look at all situations. That's why we brought up the concept of four buckets and on the four bucket conversation of how to profit, protect, and more importantly, enjoy your retirement. We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, July 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Want to wish all of you a happy Canada Day coming up and go Stamps Go. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.